Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. We have added a way for our listeners who would like to support the podcast to do so. We love our coffee, so you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep and buy us a cup of coffee. Wink. That's buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Right. You know, a lot of times the problem is not that we don't have something. It's that we don't have it handy. You ever thought about that? That's a very profound statement. You ever gotten somewhere and you needed something? You said, well, I've got one at home. I've said that. And it hasn't helped at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. Not at all. What's our topic today? We are going to be building small kits from the things we already have. So this continues our low-cost or no-cost prepping ideas. And hopefully you'll find something in here that uh, you can make use of. We're talking about easily stored or easily carried kits and sometimes kits within kits. Oh, I see something smaller into something larger. Right. In our bug out bags, I shouldn't say bug out bags, in our car bags, we carry, for example, a fire kit. And that has all of our little fire starting stuff in it and things like that. So we're talking about kits within kits. Do you remember the first kit that I made for you? I think, was this the Altoid 10? It was an Altoid 10, Mm -hmm. and I called it an emergency kit. It was an emergency kit, and I was astounded at just how much you were able to pack into that standard Altoid Mints 10. It had a lighter. It had safety pins. It had buttons, a needle, thread. It had medications, like those little pill packs that you can separate Mm -hmm. It had toothpicks. It had dental floss. I mean, I used that kit. Well, I sat down and I thought about some of the best things that you might need as a teacher. And you were around students and other teachers all day. Mm -hmm. So what would be some logical things that some folks would say? Do you have a safety pin? More Basically, do you have headache relief? That's what teachers need. And that was in there. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, but yes, that was the very first kit. And that's the kind of things that we're talking about. And that'd be the first on the list. And that would be our emergency kit, which carries those things like even nail clippers. Nail file, band-aids, just the little pocket kit for little emergencies. Mm -hmm. Now, often when we talk about kits, we're talking about something that goes into a backpack or something that goes into a Rubbermaid tub, snap-top containers, ammo boxes. We're talking about something that you can't really carry on your person. But most of these kits that we're talking about today can be carried on your person. How about a boo-boo kit? Absolutely. A boo-boo kit is going to be something uh, along the lines of a first aid kit that would include band-aids, maybe a very small amount of gauze, some antiseptic ointment. And they actually make those now in like little trial size packs and little packages that are made for small carry. I remember seeing Neosporin to go. It's an actual kind of kit-sized antibiotic ointment. The types of things, you know, that you would need for a boo-boo, a scraped knee, a small cut, Something that's not major, but that, you know, you maybe do need to stop some finger bleed if Yeah, this is not your 
trauma kit. This is something that you can carry in your purse or in your EDC bag that just covers those little boo-boos. Mm-hmm. It's a mini first aid kit. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I alluded earlier to those little snap packs of medications. You know the way they make pills now on a blister card right. and you can separate them? And they all have their identification on the back, so you know what the medicine is. But some of these boxes of medicine, there might be 20, 30, 40, or 60 of those pills in there. But you you may only need to carry, say, four or five. And right. so just maybe two or three of this and two or three of that and replace as needed. We have carried Imodium which is an anti-diarrhea medicine. Yes, I said that. We all get it from time to time, and we all want to control it. I know I do. Acetaminophen. For those of us that are on blood pressure medications, we may want to carry something like coracetin, which is a little bit more blood pressure friendly. It's something I carry in mine. Now, I actually carry my little medical or little medicine, OTC medicine, in a very small Altoids box. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even smaller than usual, like the yes, miniature. It's, it's te- the miniature. Teeny tiny box. This thing's about an inch and a half long and about an inch wide. Mm-hmm. And it, it just drops down in my pocket. It's not like full-size Altoids box. But I carry a few aspirin in there. I think you also carry allergy medications. You but especially. one of the reasons that I carry aspirin in there is that the new protocols with the emergency medical services is in chest pain is that they will immediately give a couple of baby aspirin. And if they've determined that you are having some type of cardiac, like a heart attack of some sort, they'll go ahead and give you a couple of adult aspirin. Hmm. So I carry a couple of those and I could easily give one full strength aspirin to somebody because that does increase the chance that they have of surviving a heart attack. And the ambulances are carrying it and administering it. And the pre-hospital instructions that the 911 operators give now in most of the, the places in the EMD instructions is they go ahead and if the patient has aspirin available, they go ahead and get them to take two. So I carry those in my pocket for that very reason, not only if it's me having chest pain, but if it's somebody else that I know or am around that's having chest pain. Also, I'd mentioned uh, stomach medication like for diarrhea, but also antacids, things like Tums or Omeprazole, Prilosec, you know, brand names like that. Sometimes we have a little stomach acid and it's a little much and we just need a pill or two for that. So that's just yet some something else that you may need out and away from home that you would like to have at your disposal right then and there. Right. Now, how about a tender kit? We carry these in our get-home bags. One of the things that we have in ours is fatwood that's cut to length and put in a large medicine bottle. I'm on metformin for blood sugar. And that thing comes in about a five and a half inch bottle Mm -hmm. that's about an inch and a half across or inch and a quarter across. And that'll hold a pretty good bit of fat wood down in that empty medicine bottle. Yes. That's the tender he was referring to. Not like tender like soft. He means tender like fire. Right. And just these are cut to length and put in there. We also have some uh, cotton balls that we have rubbed down with petroleum jelly. Mm -hmm. Quick fire starter. We have those in the bag. One of the things that I'm thinking seriously about doing, I keep saying I'm going to do this, I'm going to take one of these $4 fire starters with a magnesium bar, and I'm going to go out in the shop, and I'm going to put that thing in the vise, 
and I'm just going to start shaving on it with a big file. And I'm going to make a big pile of magnesium shavings, carry those in an empty medicine bottle. And if we have to get out and start a fire somewhere, then we just pour out about a quarter teaspoon to a half teaspoon of magnesium shavings. And that stuff burns hot, hot, hot. Okay, so if you put a match, struck match to it, it's going to instantly oh, it's, it's going to flame up light. to about five thousand degrees, almost like mm-hmm. black powder. I see on our list too that you've got a couple of things I'd like you to go into detail: commercial tinder and char cloth. What's commercial tinder? Okay, commercial tinder is like wet fire. They, they come. Oh we, yeah, we were talking we, about we wet fire the other the day. Other day. And they're vacuum packed and they're sealed and there's like 12 to a package and you open it up and it's like a very compacted cotton ball Mm -hmm. and you can cut off part of it and use just a part of that block or you can pull it apart and make it like a piece of cotton ball to be able to catch the spark off of it. Hmm. Now, char cloth is something that a lot of people make. Actually, char cloth is a piece of cloth put into something like an Altoids tin with some holes cut in it, and it's baked or heated for a very long time, and that lets the air escape, and the stuff gets almost to ignition point, but it doesn't burn, and it's black, pretty much black or very, very dark, dark gray, and it will catch a spark off of a ferro rod a lot easier. This was carried oftentimes back in like the Civil War. Is it a specific type of fabric? You know, I don't know as much as I should, but oh, okay. I think it's cotton. Oh, okay. I think it's primarily cotton. Like a natural cotton. type woven fabric. Okay. But I will find out and circle back on that. Okay. All right. What else do we have in kits? Okay. Here's one that makes a lot of sense after I, uh, when I thought about it, and that's a fishing kit. And these can be put into an Altoid tin. They can be put into a smokeless tobacco can any kind of small container, and put about 20 or 25 feet of monofilament line in there. You might even want to put a couple of different weights of monofilament line in there. But if you're stuck somewhere trying to get home, and it's going to take four or five days, uh, and you come across a nice fishing hole, it'd be nice to have a fishing kit. Well, let's see. You might have something to start a fire with, and you might have to start a fire and, and use some kind of wet wood as a grate of some kind to... Cook your fish. But hey, we'll figure out how mm-hmm. to get it cooked. <laughs> okay. You can, you can, exactly, you can prop it over it. You can put it nearby. You can put it on a rock and have it tilted toward it so that it catches the, the heat from the fire. I know of some folks that will actually carry a large square of aluminum foil and they'll fold it a number of times until it's as small as it can get. And then they can unfold it and maybe tear off a portion, and you can wrap a filleted fish. Right. You can descale it and fillet it, and then wrap that fish up in that foil and put it like directly on the fire. And you may it. have forgotten about this, but in each of our bags, there's a piece of aluminum foil about 18 inches long by about a foot wide, mm-hmm. folded and folded and folded and folded to do exactly what you want. You know, we need to do a podcast sometime on all the uses for tinfoil. Oh, my word. That'd take that, forever. That, <laughs> we can do a nice podcast on that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, in our fishing kit, We probably want to add a few weights, some lead weights or some type of weight that we can attach to that line and then add some hooks and single hooks. And I would put in some treble hooks as well. 
Now, for just fishing, you have to be careful with uh, treble hooks. They're not legal on a lot of fish. Mm. But in a survival situation, it ups your chances of catching that fish a lot more than a single hook. Mm -hmm. So be guided by your own choices there. You can even put in some very small lures or small flies so that you can have some options. But with that hook, you can dig up some grubs or worms or something and probably be able to catch some type of fish. And when you say small flies, you're talking about fly fishing flies? Like fly fishing Oh, fly flies. fishing flies. Okay. Not actual bugs. Okay. No, not actual <laughs> bugs or flies, but <laughs> they do make some little flies that a lot of people call bugs, and they're top water, and they're popping fly. Yes. And they're mm-hmm. great for, like, when brim are on bed, things mm-hmm. like that. And so just anything like that that increases your chances of being able to catch a meal while you're on the way. Okay. Now, here's one that we both carry. And we advocate carrying. Some people call it a get-home bag. We call it a car kit. Yes, it's the kit that goes with us wherever we go. In our work vans, in our work vehicles, in our home vehicles. If we're driving, we've got a car bag with us. It's a backpack filled with all kinds of goodies. What have we got in our car bags? Well, there's all sorts of things in those, but these don't always have to be things that you spend money on. Sometimes it's a matter of collecting and relocating what you already have. I've told you the story about the jumper cables that hung in my dad's basement for years. And after he passed away, they continued to hang there. And I would use them from time to time, especially at the start of the season, to jump the tractor off and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there one day and I was thinking, you know, my mother's in her 80s. She's not going to be using the jumper cables. And if she had to get the neighbor across the street to jump her off, he had jumper cables. So if I needed those jumper cables and I was away from there, I wouldn't have them. So I picked them up, put them in my Jeep, and that's where they've been since. If I was down there at her house and needed them, I had the Jeep so I could go out and get them. But I also had them if I was away. And a lot of times it's just collecting things like that and moving them to where you need them to be, where they'll be accessible. Now, we carry our bags in backpacks, but in the back of the Jeep, there's also one of those milk crates. Mm -hmm. And that has other things in it like tools, the jumper cables, things like that, de-icer. It has ice scrapers in it which definitely are something that we need this week around here. But one of the things that you ought to start with in the car kit, whether it actually goes in a bag or not, is warm clothing. Talk about warm clothing and staying warm with your clothing for a moment. Well, we're talking seasonally now. We're in the middle of February, and even North Alabama is having sub-freezing weather. We had uh, temperatures in the teens and not got out of the teens at all. I think yesterday. Uh, It might have gone all the way up to 20 for a little while. So we have to think about warm clothing. And we have said this before, and we will say it again, and we're going to keep saying it, that you need to think about layers of clothing because that's where you will stay the warmest. One jacket over a T-shirt and one set of pants is generally not going to keep you as warm as 
long sleeve t-shirts and a flannel shirt and a jacket and a scarf and some gloves and a good woolen pair of hunting socks and a pair of leggings under some jeans. We're talking real layers. So keep some layerable clothing in your get home bag. You can roll them up really tight. They won't take up a lot of space and you're certainly going to be glad they're there when you need them. And this is something else that you can put in another bag and keep in your car. Mm -hmm. Change it out for the seasons. Exactly. Even if you expect to be gone for just a half hour, hour, and you're running down to the store three miles away and something happens, you know, you're not expecting to have to walk home in the cold. So I've been guilty of going out with nothing but a vest on, you know, and a flannel jacket, and it'd be 35 degrees. But if I had to walk home, that would be rather uncomfortable. So it's good to keep that warmer clothing in the car, even for those short trips. If you wound up being outside changing a tire, if you wound up broken down, somebody hits you in the rear end and you have to stand outside and wait on the police to get there, you might want that jacket. Speaking of that, I carry an extra jacket in the back of my patrol car. And on a number of occasions, I have pulled that out and let someone else who was the driver of one of those vehicles and did not have a jacket with them because they didn't expect to be outside in the cold. And I've let them wear that until the wreck was cleared up. And then they gave it back to me mm -hmm. as their ride came along and picked them up. Absolutely. Another thing that needs to go into our car kit or our get home bag is a first aid kit. Now, the first aid kit can be anything from being able to do, as Richard Jones says, ditch medicine. <laughs> something that you can patch people up with. You can deal with wreck victims and things like that. Or it can be more for a personal type of expanded boo-boo bag. This You could handle a pretty good cut with it. You have more of your antibiotic creams and things like that. Some folks even carry quick clot. I carry a multitude of tourniquets. Mm -hmm. I, I have several. We'll be traveling this week, and I'll have four or five tourniquets in the vehicle at some point. One of those will be on my body. One will be in my EDC bag. Another will be in my kit back there. Another one will be in an issued IFAC bag that I carry. So those are always things to carry in it in your first aid kit as well. Something else you want to consider in your get home, get not in your get home bag, your car bag. You do want to have a few non-perishable snacks and at least a couple of bottles of water, if not a little bit more. Again, I've told the story before about the time that I expected to make a trip from Alabama to North Carolina, about an eight-hour trip most of the time. But on this one particular day in November, it took me 15 and a half hours because I was stranded for nearly seven hours in one spot on a highway due to a truck wreck and I was without water, I was without snack, and I was extremely low on gas. So uh, I had put the word out to uh, let people know what was happening with me. And for a good six and a half, seven hours, I sat parked with my motor running, thinking I was going to get broke loose any minute to get on my way. And I did not. And I learned a tremendously valuable lesson about what I needed on the road at the time that I was stranded. I would have given anything for a bottle of water and a box of raisins. Didn't have either of those things, but I carry them now. All of those situations have been corrected. One thing that we do while traveling, or any time for that matter, is when we hit a half a tank of gas, we stop and fill up. Mm -hmm. When we get down to half a tank. When we get down tank. to a half a tank of gas, mm -hmm. We stop and fill up. 
That way we get to stretch our legs for a few minutes. But more importantly, we don't run out of gas on the road. But in the back of the car, we're carrying a gallon and a half gas that is sealed up pretty well. It's in a good container, safe container. And then just to keep anything else from leaking out, that container is put into a trash bag, which is closed up. But it's there in case we were to run out of gas in that situation where we were stuck in the snow or something for 24 hours. Or if we run into a little lady on the side of the road that's run out of gas, we've got a gallon and a half that we can help her get to the next gas station. So Mm -hmm. it's not always about us, but it's about others as well. Yeah, it's good thinking. Some of the things that we always carry, and if you have the least bit of technical ability and know how to use them, carry some hand tools. Uh, Carry the basics, pliers, screwdrivers. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. um, Some wrenches, an adjustable Mm -hmm. wrench, maybe an inexpensive. And this is where your inexpensive Harbor Freight type tool sets come in handy. Mm -hmm. They're not very expensive. They're not going to last a professional much more than a week or two if they last that long. But for you to carry in the car and use once in a while, it comes in very, very handy. And carry some duct tape. I have fixed a radiator hose leak with duct tape to get me back to civilization. And I have had to change a radiator hose in the Walmart parking lot. So it comes in handy. And if you know how to change like a radiator hose, it's a lot cheaper to do it yourself. It is to go to a garage and you're kind of stuck there till they get to it and you're at their mercy of what they might charge if they're a little bit or the least bit unscrupulous. So if you have the technical ability to manage some of those types of things, then carry some of those tools or go ahead and carry them in case somebody comes along to help that does have that skill. Mm-hmm. Something else, uh, other things to have in mind in your tool box there in the car would be obviously a flashlight, maybe two different kinds of flashlights. Uh, we carry flashlights. Some of them are more powerful than others. And so, you know, depending on the need and the darkness, pull the flashlight that we think is going to do the best job. Yeah. Inside the vehicle, we don't need a thousand lumens. No, we don't. As a matter of fact, it'll blind you. Mm-hmm. I've got this little single AAA flashlight that would do everything you need to do inside the car. Mm-hmm. Carrying that headlamp is a very good idea if you need to be using both hands, if you're working on the car, if you are changing a flat tire, it's great to have that headlamp. But carry some extra batteries for the various flashlights that you carry. Mm-hmm. Right. Have those because, you know, batteries are one of those things that let you down at the least opportune time as well. Be careful how you store those batteries. Don't just throw a bunch of batteries loose in a bag. No, you're a keep, lot better yeah. just to keep them in the, the, original package, the original packaging. Standing up side by side. And then open them up when you need them as mm-hmm. well. Now, this next thing would come in real handy in Alabama, out across Texas right now, and that would be blankets. Good to have blankets in the car. Yes, yes. And some people will actually use like a moving style blanket. It doesn't even, it doesn't have to be, you know, your precious grandma quilt hand-me-down. Some inexpensive Dollar General blanket would be fine or the type that they use for moving blankets, something that's just, that can provide coverage. And I saw the ad for moving blankets at Harbor Freight the other day for less than six bucks a piece. It's not a bad deal. It was not a bad deal Mm -hmm. at all. 
good old OD Green Army Surplus Wool Blanket mm-hmm. you can would actually, keep you really warm. You can pick them up very inexpensively. And if you're out somewhere and you have to be, and you, you find yourself stranded on an icy road in the middle of the highway, and you know it's going to be several hours and you can't be running your heater in your car all the time, you're going to wish you had a blanket to wrap up in. You're going to really wish you had one. That'd be a very good thing. As well as a tarp. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you use a tarp for? Well, you can use a tarp for several things. If you had to spend the night in the woods, you can make uh, shelter with it. Mm, okay. You could catch rainwater with it. You could cover up a broken window with it. Take your duct tape, cut a piece of that tarp, and tape that thing up so you could go on about your business. You know, from time to time, uh, windows do get broken. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way to keep the cold and the rain out and be able to go on again. You know, you just mentioned something, too, that makes me think, well, make sure we add this to the bag if we don't already have it in there. When you said cut a tarp, my mind immediately thought scissors and knives. You know, you're going to need to have cutting tools sometimes on you for oh, that kind of thing. There's cutting tools. In I know you bags. carry certain ones, oh. but I'm just not, the people out there in general... They may want to carry some large sewing scissors, uh, something that'll be that they can use easily for cutting things like. Well, a if you go back to our get home bag episode, you'll see in there where you need a pretty sturdy fixed blade knife. Mm-hmm. That's true. Most of us should be carrying mm-hmm. some type of pocket knife as well. There's a knife blade on most multi tools, things like that. Right, and something so you can cut with. But you, I think a pair of scissors is a good idea too. We'll put a pair of scissors in yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a problem. I'll use my knife and cut my piece of tarp. But you can use a tarp for so many things as well. One other thing here that uh, you might want to have in there is a toe strap. They're really not that expensive. No, it says tow is like T-O-W. When you're towing a car, towing something. Or as we say down here, pull Bubba out of the ditch. (laughs) All right. Are those like those big ratcheting... Not the strap, ratcheting. Not, the, the toe straps generally don't have ratchets on them, but okay. you could use one with a ratchet if you had to. Okay. But this is generally the same type of strap and has a hook on each end. Mm. You might be stuck. You might be stuck very deeply, and you might barely be stuck. But, you know, it doesn't matter whether you buried it deep or you're barely stuck. If you can't get it out, you can't get it out. Mm-hmm. And you might find somebody that comes along and says, if I had a strap, I could pull you out and you, Well, hang on right here. I got one in the back of the car. Yeah. So you pull that thing out in a little tug, and it comes right on out, and you're good to go. Excellent. Very good. So Very good. This is just some small kits that you can make. One thing that I saw, and I'll mention this, there was a man that made a number of kits. He made a fire kit, tender kit, first aid kit, fishing kit. He had a water purification kit with water purification tablets in it. And I've forgotten what his sixth one was, but he had six smokeless tobacco cans. Was it, did you say fishing kit? I did say fishing kit. And he bought some of this shrink wrap tube that you use on wiring and things like that. And he bought some that the smokeless tobacco tins would slide down into. Hmm. And he cut it to length and he heated that and it shrunk and it made a roll of six of those things. And he kept it in his glove compartment. Hmm. And anytime he was going away from his truck, even if he was just going a quarter mile or so away from his truck, he'd drop that into his jacket pocket. If he had to get, if he was going hunting, he would get it out and drop it into his backpack. 
but it was very easy to carry, very small, very compact. He knew what was in it, and it was something that he had something to deal with most situations that he could have encountered. If he needed Band-Aids, if he needed gauze or something like that, he had some of that made into small kits, and he made one larger kit out of six of those and shrink-wrapped them together. Hmm. I think that's a great idea. Anything else you want to add? Well, we just want to remind you that, you know, it's not if something would ever happen to you. It's when it's going to happen and how hard it's going to be for you. If you're a prepper and if you're prepared, you're not going to panic. And we're all about that. We don't want you to panic. We want you to be prepared and face things and be able to survive and be able to thrive. And we'll see you next time. If you enjoy Practical Prepping Podcast, we ask you to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about it. We also ask you to consider supporting our podcast. You can do that by buying us a cup or two of coffee. You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. We appreciate any support to keep this podcast coming to you. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.